Well, hi there. I'm Chris Clark, and I want to welcome you to our Equality for Opportunity Town Hall um, and our podcast as well. Uh, this uh, effort started uh, last June as we sought to help the Georgia business community better understand how they can engage in equality, uh, equity, inclusion, and diversity. Uh, it's part of our work with our inclusion council as well as our summit that we have every year and I appreciate you joining us this excited to be joined today uh, for a special February broadcast it's also uh, part of Black History Month with a personal hero of mine and one of my favorite people representative Calvin Smyrie affectionately and respectfully known as the dean of the Georgia house for being the longest serving member of that body the dean was born in Columbus Georgia he went to Fort State and then came home uh, to be a community organizer for LBJ's War on Poverty and his career professionally was quite incredible. He went from community organizer to executive vice president of Synovus, one of our largest banks in the state of Georgia. He was first elected to the Georgia House in 1974 at the age of 26, making him the youngest member and um, he still serves on some very influential committees. And Dean, I got to tell you, when I took my wife to see um, Hamilton, several years ago, and they sang that song, The Room Where It Happened, I actually thought about you, because you've been in the room where it's happened for over 45 years, and I appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you very much, uh, Chris. It's great to be with you, and and uh, I've enjoyed working with you over the years in the Georgia Chamber, and, uh, and I, I hope that some of the things that we worked on um, uh, uh, for the betterment of our state and um, and keep our state a great place to live, work, and play. Well, it, it has, and you've been an incredible, important part of that. And I want to talk a little bit, if we can today, we're going to split this into two parts. One, a little bit about history, and then a little bit about where we are today and some of the issues that, that you're working on and we're working on at the Capitol. But I want to go back in your memory for a minute to 1974. <laughs> you're 26 years old. You're driving up from Columbus, Georgia for your first day on the job at the General Assembly. And you're entering politics at a time that is still literally segregation and the vestiges of segregation still exist. Uh, we're still dealing with before uh, you've got less dramatics. Uh, what was it like for you to come into that situation? What, what is kind of what's your biggest memory from when you first started out there? Well, my, my, my biggest memory was the, the, the very daunting uh, thing, uh, task of meeting a, a, a Speaker Tom Murphy. <laughs> my first time in uh, December of 1974, and uh, having that meeting with him and uh, sitting there uh, with uh, the late Albert Thompson, who was one of the first African-American chairs of a standing committee in the Georgia legislature. And, and uh, the speaker asked me what committee that I wanted to serve on, and I, I, I said appropriations, and he laughed and chuckled, and uh, and he said, "Well, no, that 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 won't be that won't work. You're a freshman. What will be your second committee?" I said, "Ways and means." He said, "Son, I don't know who you've been talking to, but not only will you not be on those committees, but you won't be in the room when we're talking." And uh, so he said, "What's your third one?" I said, "Well, you know, I want to go into banking. I want to go into banking and banks and banking." would be my third choice. And he said, you know, I've never pointed a freshman to Banks and Bank, but I'm gonna put you on Banks and Banking. And, uh, and uh, so I went on Banks and Banking and uh, a few weeks later, he, came, he saw me somewhere and he said, you know what, we're gonna be all right. He said, I want you to stick close to me and I wanna get you on appropriation and ways and means first and get you on ways and means first then on appropriation. 
He said, but the reason I, I say that to you is because uh, you, you, you gave me banks and banking as your third choice, but it was your first. <laughs> and uh, had it been your first choice, I would not have appointed you. He said, and that's pretty close, stick closer together. And that developed a relationship uh, that, that that's part of my makeup over the years with, with Speaker Tom Murphy. And, uh, and he was very, very helpful to me in my early stage of my career. And he was very, very instrumental. So you, 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 it's funny because you've been on Ways and Means. You're still on appropriations. You're on rules now. All those committees you wanted, you've been on them for a long time. I'm curious, Dean, what's, what do you think is historic piece of legislation you've worked on or a couple of pieces of historic legislation that, that really mattered to Georgia? And I know there's a lot of them out there, but which one's really are you proud of or kind of stand out to you? Well, you know, Chris, when, uh, when, when, I, when, I, when, when I talked to Murphy about my experiences and uh, eventually pointed me to ways and means uh, my fourth year, and I went on appropriations my eighth year, 1981. And I've been on appropriations uh, since then. I think the budget at that time was a little over $3 billion. So when you think about how it has grown now, and uh, when you think about that process, one of the one of the things that that jumps out at me is the Hope Scholarship. To me, that ha that has been a game changer for the state of Georgia. And working with Zell Miller uh, in 1991, uh, I was on the Higher Ed Committee during that time, uh, the Higher Education Committee, and and passing Hope to me was a game changer for Georgia. I think uh, when you look at the state of Georgia and you look at retaining our, our best and our brightest uh, students, and uh, then they are going into our various corporations in our community and into our workplace. To me, that stands out as a, as a major issue that, that I've been involved in. And another one I think that changed the landscape of, the, of Georgia is, is the changing of the state flag. And uh, uh, when, when Roy Bonds uh, talked to me about doing that in, in 2000, and uh, we did it in 2001. To me, that, that, that is another game changer when you think about uh, the state of Georgia. The other bill that I think that would, I would consider a, a major issue, uh, uh, in fact, I have two. One is the Transportation Act, if you remember, of, of 2015. Right. To me, that was a game changer uh, for us to be able to provide $11 billion of uh, transportation infrastructure over the next uh, of 15 years or so is, 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 is major. When you think about the, the way our Department of Transportation operates and how we have to work in partnership with the federal government. And lately we have been doing continuing resolutions. So you could not plan uh, uh, long-term and, uh, and we passed House Bill uh, 170 that gave us an opportunity to provide needed resources for our state and for our transportation system and for our, our infrastructure. So to me, uh, those were major issues. And the latest, I think, would be the hate crime bill. Uh, passing the hate crime bill last year, uh, Georgia was one of four states in the nation. And when you talk about social justice and, 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 and the mood of our country, I think passing hate crime bill uh, was a major, major uh, um, uh, occurrence for, for us here in the state of Georgia. And I'm glad that's something that we did and uh, it, it, it was a major, and I think we'll see uh, that come to fruition throughout the years to come. 
think all of those are, are important bills for Georgia. And the last one you mentioned really spoke to, actually all of them spoke to a bipartisanship demand, right? That, that you had to work together across lines. I want to come back to that in a few minutes. But when you think about black history in Georgia from a political standpoint, What's the most important story that, that you think people don't know or should know about political black history in Georgia? Well, you know, I think about that often and I think about um, how far we've come and uh, in terms of the political process, but yet uh, how we have to continue to make progress. So when you think about uh, the, the uh, African-Americans that were expelled uh, because of color, uh, and then you think about the African-Americans that are being elected now. So we stand on the shoulders that, of those that fought early on for us to be able to uh, have uh, the political opportunities that we have today. And, and uh, you cannot think about political process uh, in the current uh, uh, day and age without thinking about John Lewis and, and the contribution that he made for people like myself to be able to run for public office. So when you think about, when I think about black history, uh, I think about when I was elected uh, in 1974, there were uh, 90 uh, black uh, African-American legislators in America. Now we have uh, 700, over 750 uh, African-American legislators in 44 states. So, so I think that those types of contributions and those types of, um, uh, political uh, avenues makes it possible for, for, for us to um, um, uh, be elected to public office. And I think it's the effort of people like John Lewis and Martin Luther King Jr. and C.T. Vivian and, and Jose Williams and a host of others who played a significant role in providing uh, the opportunity for uh, black elected officials to be elected. So, so I want to, I want to, during this Black History Month, I want to, I want to give uh, credit where credit is due. And all of those people that have been activists, that have been, uh, that, that played an, an advocacy role uh, in the political process in the early uh, 60s that were able to, that, that allowed people like myself to be able to run in, in the early ages, uh, early days of 1970. So, so uh, I wanna look back a little bit when I think about Black History Month and, and pay uh, homage and respect to those that uh, provided the, the, the torch for those of us who are now in active uh, political life as, as we see it today. Dean, I think that's a great segue to talk about a current issue. One of the things that Repre uh, Congressman John Lewis was passionate about was voting rights. And now here we are in 2021, the Georgia General Assembly, you've got almost 30 bills filed on voting rights, some to expand, some to uh, detract from voting rights. Can you give us your perspective on voting rights and the debates we're having at the Capitol right now? Well, I think that when you think, we just had an election and the election uh, I think was conducted in a manner which everyone, we've had recounts and everyone uh, said it's been fair and the election has been certified. And I think uh, um, uh, to be looking at um, uh, political um, uh, uh, elevated uh, discussions on, on voting rights is, is not, the, I don't think it's the way to go at, at this juncture. I think that although I'm on the special committee of, uh, of election integrity, uh, that's been just recently appointed uh, by uh, Speaker David Ralston, I'm, I'm look, I'm, 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 we are reviewing and looking at all of the uh, legislation that um, 
that has been presented to the committee. We've had one meeting, an organizational meeting, and we're going to be looking at a, a lot of these bills. Uh, fundamentally with me, uh, I just don't want to see any regression. I don't want to see any rollback of any uh, legislation that would hinder a person's uh, constitutional right to vote. Uh, that's where my stake in the ground is that uh, anything that would, 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 would make it more difficult or would suppress the vote, then that is something that, that I, I just cannot tolerate. And I would be abdicating my uh, responsibility to vote for anything that would set back um, the voting uh, uh, avenues for, for citizens in, in the state of Georgia. So uh, I, I think that uh, when you have elections uh, uh, and they're termed to be fair elections, uh, then to, to look at a, a, uh, laws after the uh, election has passed, to me is a change in the goalpost. And uh, uh, um, so I'm, 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 although I'm gonna be open-minded and look at legislation as it, as, 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 as it comes to me and, 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 uh, and after reading and, and looking at it, uh, but, but it's one marker that I have and that, that, that one is that I, I just can't see any regression. I can't see any rollback of anything or any measure that would uh, make it uh, more difficult for uh, the uh, Georgia voter to be able to vote. I think that's a, that's a great perspective, Dean, and you make a great point about fair elections. I'm on the bipartisan task force, and we were told the other day that in a normal Georgia election year, you have about 2 to 3% irregularities. This year, we had 0.0099. I think there were only 38 out of 5 million uh, um, irregular, irregularities to be examined. So I do think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we've had fair and, and open elections this year. So um, Georgia Chamber looks forward to, to working with you and all the partners at the Capitol on that issue. Um, I want to switch gears just a little bit. This summer, we saw you know, historic civil protests that I think really awakened particularly business leaders to the issues that the minority communities in our country have been facing for, for years. There's a new level of empathy out there and a desire by the business community to want to engage and help. I'm curious, what's your perspective on what, what businesses ought to do and how companies can help address the issues of diversity, inclusion, equality, and equity? Uh, I think that's, you know, having some sort of sensitivity uh, to the issue is, is when you start talking about social justice and, uh, and, and uh, doing a, a lot of the incidents that occurred uh, uh, during our, our uh, social protesting uh, during uh, this past year, uh, we have to have some sensitivity to what is occurring in our community. And, uh, and, and, and you got to look at it uh, uh, with, with clear vision that we have to have some change in, in our policing and in our community policing. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I, I think that we need to look at efforts that will uh, involve inclusion and more involvement uh, uh, in, our, in our workforce, workforce in our workplaces. And also looking at the issues that, that affect our community. And, uh, and be very sensitive about it. I mean, one experience I had was when uh, doing the social protesting and the social injustices, um, uh, our chairman, uh, Kessel Stellings, uh, called me one day and we had a, a great discussion about uh, social uh, injustices and the social justice uh, scene as, as we were living it during that time back in August of, of 2020. 
and uh, and he wanted to know what could we do as a company. And his his concern was uh, education. And being that he's on the Board of Regents, he mentioned uh, higher ed and what could Sonolas do to 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 assist in, in in having a better educated population, which is a social justice issue. And uh, and I told him I think I thought that was noble, and he was thinking about maybe contributing. Uh, to a, a, a university in our five-state footprint. And, and I told him it would be great if we could make a, a, some kind of a donation uh, to, to United Negro College Fund or to some other institution. And he came back and said that, that he wanted to do that. And, uh, and thusly, uh, Sonovas uh, named a scholarship in my name for, for $1 million uh, that will uh, assist students um, uh, going to HBCUs in our five-state footprint. So, 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 so not only do we need to preach corporate social responsibility, but we must practice it. It's one thing to preach it, but it's another thing to practice it. So I think uh, when you think about all the things that are going on in our nations, I think corporations can now can express themselves through their corporate uh, uh, responsibility platform and, uh, and extend themselves in the community and do things that are that are from a social platform uh, that would be involved in, in the inclusion and diversity uh, workforce and, and things of that nature. And to me, uh, that's how that's that's how you attack this. You, you attack it from one community to another community, and uh, and getting more involved in our communities, getting more involved in in, um, in the community at, in which we all live and work and play in. And also having uh, the policing aspect of it, we must work uh, within our police uh, communities and uh, and work together and make everybody respected and uh, making sure that we all have an opportunity to work uh, hand in hand, reach one, teach one, and and to build a better community. Dean, I, I love what Sonovus is doing, literally putting their money where their mouth is with these scholarships. And I know you're passionate about HBCUs. I know you went to Fort Valley State. I spent a lot of time talking to our HBCU presidents in Georgia over the last six or seven years about some of the issues that they face. Are there other ways for us to help and engage with our HBCUs in Georgia? And, and tell us a little bit about why they're so important and the unique role that they play. Well, you know, when you think about the history and the mission of the historical black colleges and universities, uh, of course, uh, the mission is clear to, you know, to promote higher education in, in, in our nation. And uh, when you think about the impact they had in, 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 in the years uh, back and when they were created uh, during uh, segregation and, uh, and, and how fruitful they have become and, and how productive they have become in producing uh, the majority of our doctors and, and lawyers uh, uh, in, in, uh, in undergrad uh, studies. So HBCUs have a very, very prominent role. And, and I feel very, very strongly about that uh, as, as it relates to not only Fort Valley State University, but all of the other HBCUs uh, uh, in, our, in our nation. And I think in, in order for us to continue in that role, uh, there has to be a continuation of uh, defining and retooling the mission and the objectives of, of, of HBCUs. And with that comes resources and, and uh, finding resources to assist our, our students. I think one uh, possibility and responsibility is, is scholarships and providing uh, scholarship funds to these universities and assisting them in, in that regard. And, 
and and a lot of universities have gone to the stopgap measure where where students um, uh, are about to graduate from school and and don't have the necessary funds to finish, and uh, and they a lot of them fall through the safety net and they're not able to to graduate and then they they drop out. So I think these types of uh, 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 fundamental programs can assist us in getting that person to the finish line. Uh, far too often, uh, some of our brightest uh, young people are not able to go to school because of finance. So, so anything that a university uh, 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 can, can engage our corporate community in, in involvement in our, our uh, social fabric of higher education is, is a good thing. That's why the Hope Scholarship is such a, a marvelous program and, 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 and states all over America look to Georgia because of the model that we have. But, but Hope can't do it alone. So, so those corporations, if they can continue to practice um, uh, corporate social responsibility in the, in the arena of higher ed and, and other social areas, then I think uh, they will be doing themselves, uh, not only themselves, a great justice, but also for, for, the, for the state of Georgia. I think the scholarship is important. The other one I'll add, too, from our research is uh, our students coming out of HBCUs are not getting the same chance at corporate internships as other students. We've got a discrepancy and a disparity there that we can address, too. So I encourage our listeners to make sure they reach out and work with HBCUs to bring in um, interns uh, during the summer and throughout the year. Dean, a couple more questions because I know you're, you're busy today, but um, you mentioned changing the flag in Georgia uh, and what an important role that played. I think it sent a message that Georgia was open, we're willing, we want you to move here, an issue we continue to work on today. What role do you think that's played in us becoming the best place to do business eight years in a row, this idea of Georgia as an inclusive place and a welcoming place? Well, I think it's the manner in which, uh, the, the, you know, when, when, when Zell Miller was the first governor to talk about changing the state flag, and he made an effort and, and it did not, um, it, it, was, it didn't come to fruition, but, but he needs to get the credit for bringing it to, to, the, to the light. And then uh, Governor Roy Bond showed a, a significant amount of courage, political courage, uh, to be able to bring it forth and, and to pass and change the state flag. In my opinion, there's nothing that's more uh, a singular act that we could put in the formula of becoming the number one state to do business in. I can almost say to you without, with, 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 without hesitation that if we still had the flag, uh, the, 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 the Georgia State Confederate flag, we still had that flag, Georgia would not be recognized as one of the states, the number one state to do business in. If you recall, uh, back during that time, uh, there was a, almost a boycott of the, SI, uh, the SCC and the Super Bowl uh, would not come to Georgia if we, if we had the Georgia, uh, we, if we kept this flag, the, the present flag that we had at that time. And uh, so changing the flag was, 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 was not only a social justice issue, it was an economic uh, issue as well. And in that formula, uh, the changing of the state flag uh, opened uh, the, the, the opportunities for us to be able to um, um, uh, be recognized uh, uh, throughout the nation as a great place to do business in. And so I think uh, the fact of the matter is that not having the, the Georgia state flag that we had at that time 
the pre-1956 uh, uh, is, 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 a, is, a, is a tribute to the members of the General Assembly and to the governor. And, uh, and they took a bold step uh, during that time to, to change the state flag and uh, under the present flag that we under today. And we're, be and we're better for it. And, and we appreciate your leadership on that as well. Um, controversial issue. Uh, governor's talked about it. I know you've talked about it. Uh, do you think that we'll have a movement this year on citizens arrest laws? Yes, I do. I, I think that um, if you recall last year, and I visited Brunswick when he had the, uh, the tragic murder of uh, Almond Arbery. And, uh, and uh, when we talked about the hate crime bill, it, 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 it sort of uh, galvanized us uh, and, and gave us the impetus to, 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 to reach an agreement on, on, the, on the hate crime legislation. And during our discussions, uh, during that time, citizens arrest just kept brazing his head. And uh, so this is a juncture, I, I, the, in the General Assembly, we had plans, uh, 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 Representative Chuck Estration, and I have discussion with, with, with the Speaker Ralston and the NAACP and the members of the House Democratic Caucus. And um, we said that next year we would come back and we would, we would pass a, uh, a citizen arrest bill. And the governor in his citizen's arrest, and uh, we're waiting on, on uh, a glimpse of it and uh, having had a discussion uh, with, uh, with, 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 with the governor's office, we're, we're, we're looking to see what the governor plans on rolling out. So citizens' arrest is a major issue uh, and it raised this ugly head down in Brundage, Georgia in, in 2019. And so I think it's something that, that we ought to look at. And it's the follow-up uh, from our discussion of the hate crime bill. And, uh, and now that we've passed the hate crime bill, uh, now I think it's time for us to continue to take a look at these issues that that uh, that we have to take a hard look at, and citizens arrest is one of those that we take have to take a hard look at. So, Dean, we were able to pass um, the bill this past summer, hate crimes, and in order to pass this bill, it's going to require bipartisan effort. So, my last question for you today is: in we're living in a country more divided than I've seen it in my lifetime. Uh, but you've been an example for someone that's been able to get things done working across party lines. And so what advice do you have for your peers, business community and others in Georgia about how we find common ground and how we move beyond this divisiveness that we find ourselves in? Well, that's the difference between uh, political participation in politics and governing. And, uh, uh, you know, people have to learn how to turn the light switch on and turn it off. And, uh, and, and have tolerance of others' opinions. And uh, during my political career, I've, I've learned to have tolerance of others' views and, and not let it be destructive of, of relationships. And, uh, and I think that's one of the uh, characteristics that I have tried to carry forth during my uh, political career. I'm one of the few legislators that have served in the majority and in the minority. So I know what it is to govern and I know what it is to fight. So with that in mind, uh, you, have to, you have to separate the politics from governing. And, uh, and now that we've gone through a very rigorous campaign, uh, the campaigning is over and we should be about governing. 
and uh, and there and people should be able to shift gears in that regard. So so uh, to me, tolerance is one. And 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 one thing I can say in in Georgia, you know, there is still some civility. There is still some uh, bipartisanship. There is still some discussion of the various issues. And, and of course, there is some difference in opinion. And uh, but the best way to express those uh, uh, difference of opinion is through policy making and, and and express yourself through policy rather than uh, uh, through uh, all the ritual and all of the discussion thing that we hear. And uh, and I'm hoping and praying that we can continue to to, to draw um, uh, some pattern of political process that we can. Uh, after the political campaigns that we can come together and come together in some instances on issues that are that are proven to be good for the state of Georgia and, and try to work on those. And then where we differ, uh, we just will have to differ and, and try to come to some kind of consensus in that respect. But to me, uh, having some tolerance of one's opinion and uh, but but there always will be political differences in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the body politics. So with that in mind, we, we have to uh, try to rise above that in the best way we possibly can. Well, I, I think there, there are three words there that really stand out, tolerance, compromise, um, and, and finding a common ground. Uh, and, and I appreciate that you've been doing that at the Georgia General Assembly, Dean, for 45 plus years, and uh, we are better for your service. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us today, but we really appreciate the partnership that the Georgia Chamber has with you on a variety of issues. And you know that we are here to work with you and appreciate all that you do. And again, we're, we're a better state for your service. So thank you for taking the time to be with us today. It's my pleasure and great to be in with you, Chris, and uh, great looking forward to working with you and continue to work with you in the Georgia uh, Chamber of Commerce. Thanks, Dean. Thank you guys for joining us today for our podcast and live broadcast. Please join with us next week and continue to follow us at gachamber.com for the latest updates on COVID-19, vaccines, and all of the good work that we're doing down at the Capitol. Thank you. May God continue to bless the great state of Georgia.